sin and shame on his shoulders hallelujah what a beautiful thought that is let's sing this song you deserve the glory same key i think you deserve the glory and the honor lord we lift our hands in worship as we lived your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lived your holy name for you.
again now. You deserve the glory and the honor. Oh Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. Deserve the glory and the honor. O oh Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. Just sing it to him now. You are great, you do miracles so. Oh, Lord, unveil 
my eyes Let me see you face To face the knowledge of your love As you live, live in to the Lord. Let's sing this song together. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. Lift him up now. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty My comfort, my shelter, my shelter, oh, a tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, oh, 
take this time as the musicians continue to play that softly please we're going to take our special needs to the Lord <clears throat> bearing in our hearts and minds the needs of our brothers and sisters amen I have uh, several special needs here uh, if you would remember sister Jesse Cockman in prayer I have a prayer request for her I remember the our sister Becky in prayer she's with uh, brother Ernest Fulcher and who is not do, uh, doing so well if you just Remember him in your prayers, and Sister Becky as well, amen. Uh, if you'd remember Brother Aaron uh, Ningamaza, he is uh, ministering down in South Carolina in the place of Brother Matt, who was so kind to play the piano for us today, so we just want to remember our Brother Aaron in prayer. If you'll remember the Parks family, uh, they're traveling. Um, 
keep Brother John Anthony in your prayers. Uh, he has a job situation he was having to deal with. And I um, have a need here for Sister Kay Calhoun, if you'd remember her in prayer, special need, unspoken. Um, Brother uh, Danny also is not well, and uh, he's needing a healing touch. If you remember Brother Danny in your, in your prayers as well. Also, Sister Mary Smith asked to be remembered today. So if you can remember our dear Sister Mary Smith. And Brother Richard in your prayers as well. He cares for Sister Mary, so we certainly are thinking of them. And also have a prayer request here for two ladies, uh, Caroline and Kathy. Kathy is the mother. Caroline is the daughter. Kathy, Kathy has uh, pancreatic cancer in very late stage. So you please pray for uh, the family and for healing and for comfort. Amen. And that's all that I have at this time. If you have unspoken prayer requests by the unblifted hands, amen. God knows your needs and we'll be praying with, praying with you. Brother Sean, uh, or Brother Jason Ashdown, if you'd come and take these um, needs to the Lord for us. We'd be grateful, amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we are so glad and privileged to be here this morning, gathered together, Lord, just with one common purpose, Father, and Lord, that's to hear from the throne of grace this morning. And Lord, I'm excited for what you have for me, and I know others that are here are excited what you have for them. Lord, as we just dedicate our lives to you once again this morning, and Lord, thinking of the ones, tis the season, Lord, where sickness seems to attack us, change of weather, and we just ask for the ones that are not feeling well, not able to be with us, thinking of Sister Becky, Brother Fulcher, and Sister Jesse, the different ones that are not well, I just ask you to touch their body, and Lord, meet their needs, and the ones that I may not have mentioned, Father God, there are many that are here, I just lay my hand on them knowing, Lord, that you will undertake, Lord, and we just look forward for a great testimony from each one, how you've touched them individually. Lord, I know hands are raised this morning. Each one has got a desire on their heart. They'd like you to come, Father, and just meet them in a special way. Won't you do that this morning, Lord, as our pastor would come and just speak your word, the word of life to our hearts, Lord, that their prayers would be answered, healing touches would be made, Father. Lord, we just give ourselves to you. Have your way this morning. Take our pastor word you've placed on his heart get him out of the way lord that you can just use the vessel speak through to him lord we just give ourselves to you once again this morning in your name we pray in the name of our lord jesus christ amen thank you brother jason i'll let you have your seats man brother matt was kind enough to sing a special for us as he's making ready there i uh, just had a couple of announcements to make for you and we certainly want to be aware that uh, the upcoming annual dinner, end of the year dinner we have. Um, if you could uh, remember to sign up for that, um, I'm not going to say a deadline, but uh, we certainly want to make sure everyone is accounted for. Yeah, They certainly have to make plans for the food and things and arrangements to be made. So if you could sign up for that. And also, <clears throat> we want to be aware of the children's choir practice um, immediately after service, ages 3 to 13, uh, for Sister Anna. Pritchard and uh, to with the children's choir, man. So remember that, Amen, Brother Matt. Amen. This is uh, one of my favorite old hymns, and I know you 
all know it, so sing it along with me.
I'm watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, and washed in His love. And this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my Yes, this is my story, this is my your spirit of worship that you bring and it's just nice and a nice atmosphere and I believe it's time for the word hearts and minds are ready for the word amen let's have our deacons come forward and we'll take up a morning offering and you feel free to give as unto the Lord amen we know our tithes our offerings that we offer in worship and go to spread God's kingdom through this world saints remember the tongue Let's sing this song as our pastor comes. Open the eyes of my heart. 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, oh, shining in the light of your glory, pour out your power and love as we sing of of all, and I would ask you just to remember, uh, we've had most of our prayer requests listed here today, but I would ask you to remember Sister Becky and uh, Brother Fulcher uh, today. He's, Brother Fulcher is still in the hospital and uh, had a difficult night, and so we're just holding him up in prayer, and it's been difficult for Sister Becky, and uh, just pray that the Lord will undertake for them this morning and uh, give them the healing touch that they need. Also, as well, uh, we, uh, I forgot to mention to Jaron that uh, Brother Daniel uh, Martifio is uh, on his way over to Ghana. Going to be there for a couple of months, and uh, we'll sure miss Brother Daniel. And uh, told him we'd be praying for him this morning. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, 
It's a pleasure, Lord, and an honor to be gathered in your house with your people. Lord, it's a pleasure to be able to come, Lord, and hear the word of life. And Lord, to realize how clearly it uncovers our roots and our origins. And Lord Jesus, it takes away all doubt and all fear. And Lord, as your prophet said, Lord, we are able to catch the vision of who we are and where we're going. Lord, it just stirs our hearts. And I pray today that you would just minister mightily, Lord, to your people. Lord, our hearts are open to you. And the voice of praise in this assembly this morning, Lord, it just stirs my heart. And I know, Lord, it must stir your heart as well. And we pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would be gracious to each one, Lord. There are several that are hurting, need your healing touch. They need your comfort. They need your presence today. Sometimes, Lord, life brings to us things that we did not bargain for and things, Lord, that we did not anticipate, but they happen anyway. You're the God who knows the future. You know exactly what we have need of, Lord, every day that we live upon this earth. And so we just place these cares into your hands, Lord. I think of my wife, my father-in-law. I think, Lord, of Brother Daniel who's traveling today. And, uh, Lord, the folks that are not with us today in service, we commit them into your care. Have your way, we pray. We love you and we thank you and ask your blessing now upon the furtherance of this service. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> Can we sing that uh, again? It just it sounded, sounded like uh, a thousand-man choir this morning before I came out here. So let's sing it again. Help me out. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Eyes of my heart, I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there. And let me uh, do a couple of preliminaries here this morning as we begin. Um, <clears throat> uh, I didn't mention to Brother Jaron that uh, Brother John Anthony is working this morning as well. I apologize for the sound of my voice, uh, and I hope it's not a distraction to you this morning. But uh, I'm here, and uh, thankful to be here. Thankful for Brother Aaron filling in on Wednesday night there for me. Uh, I've been tested very thoroughly, and uh, the doctor said the only thing we can determine for sure is that you're not normal. But he said everything else is negative, and uh, we're good. So I won't be in your face today. 
for sure. Um, <clears throat> Brother Jaron mentioned about signing up for our uh, annual event, our annual dinner. And uh, the problem is our, our caterers, and they need to know well in advance these days in order to get the proper supplies. And we want to make sure everybody gets fed, everybody gets uh, fed up. And so that's why we we're pushing to have folks sign up. So if you have not done that, please do that today, and uh, we'll get the numbers over to the caterer. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Lord willing, was the original day that I was planning to travel over to Tanzania with uh, several folks, and, and uh, we were down to uh, four folks there because we did not get permits to do the medical part uh, over uh, in Tanzania. So that, and that was the government's uh, issue. They changed the laws over there, and uh, so we will not be doing the medical part. So I was going to go to hold a convention that they were having, and uh, I, I'd just been uh, checked in my heart about going, and uh, I would ask you, if you don't mind, over the next 24 hours just to pray, and we'll just uh, try to find the mind of the Lord for sure. Uh, I, always, I always have three factors uh, that need to be in place, three ducks that need to be in a row before I go anywhere, and uh, one of them is that everything is okay at home in my, my space, everything is okay in the church, and then everything is okay on that side over there, and everything's clear. And so whenever any one of those three things are not, uh, not uh, kosher, they're not, they're not uh, smooth, then I'll uh, look at the circumstances and, and certainly try to be sensitive to the mind of the Lord. So I would ask you, if you don't mind, just to remember that in prayer. I know it would be a disappointment for the people over there, but um, I'm just asking that you would just help me to pray and find out uh, just exactly what the Lord would have me to do, if that's all right. And if I don't go, you're stuck with me over here. So I know that would be a disappointment, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, at, uh, just in the preliminary comments here, that uh, Brother Smith faithfully writes me every Sunday and gives me an update on things that have happened. And uh, Sister Mary uh, is going through s treatments and so forth. And uh, that's, that's an ongoing uh, process, and, and uh, they're thankful for the help they get. And then Brother Smith also has been going through some, uh, he had a, a cancer on his ear, and it was pretty substantial, pretty deep, and he had to have multiple uh, surgeries in order to, to get that removed. Uh, but I, I need to say again that we really appreciate the Reynolds uh, because they were down to help not only to bring them to the doctor to stay with Sister Smith while uh, Brother Johnny took Brother Smith to the doctor, but also bringing meals to them on a regular uh, basis, all of that without me ever asking them to do that. And I just want to say publicly that I really appreciate that very much um, because that's a gift within the body, and I think it's a gift that we don't often acknowledge enough. Uh, because the body is better off because people exercise their gifts and their talents and their generosity and their compassion for people who are hurting. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you're, you're a blessing. And I say that very sincerely, and we appreciate that very much. I, I can't say it better than Brother Smith said it to me this morning. He said, when the Reynolds come and bring food, it's like Thanksgiving all week long. And, uh, of course, that means weight gain, but uh, they're, they're really blessed. And let me tell you, Brother Johnny, uh, they're, they're really blessed, and we appreciate uh, you guys and your sacrifice and uh, doing that without uh, uh, letting anybody know, and uh, we just appreciate you guys very much. 
So <clears throat> uh, I wanted to uh, also as well, um, this is a week where Sister Crystal Johnson, is it your anniversary this week coming up? How many years anniversary? 32 years. God bless you. That's the birthday anniversary event of this week. So God bless you. We, I just wanted to make sure we acknowledge that. Now, uh, this week also we dispatched two brothers, Brother Steve Fulkerson and Brother Joe Coffey, over to uh, Malawi. And uh, they are there now. Uh, this is a picture that they sent me this morning. And uh, they had church already. It's evening time over there. And uh, they're in the country of Malawi. They're visiting our little warehouse over there and uh, meeting some of the brothers over there, doing some legal work for us for Vision Books. And they're also going to be leaving tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. to go on a, a, a trip uh, where they're going to be distributing books and Bibles in, the, in uh, a, a portion of Malawi. And uh, part of the reason that we're doing that is to get some footage and get some interaction with the ministers out in the uh, local churches there. And some of the stuff that we've uh, received from them is really great. Uh, I put some of it out there on, on WhatsApp. So this is right after church today. Uh, they said they made short work of loading the truck with all the people there helping out. And uh, this is our uh, Big Blue we call it, and uh, they were loading that up to take uh, out to villages over there, and uh, these folks just are so, were so delighted uh, to have the visitors there and excited about going, and then there was a bunch of ministers who found out the truck is coming with more materials, and so they were uh, contacting uh, Brother Precious and the different brothers there, so they were excited about that. Now, brother, my nephew, Brother Joe Coffey, uh, has put together some uh, short clips, and these are real short. And so I'm going to show you one here now as it uh, comes on. And uh, we're going to be using these. Uh, so you'll see some of them on Instagram and different places so folks can see what it's like over there and what's taking place. And uh, this, is, uh, this is what we're going to... This is where they are right now. Lucenza, Malawi. They're building there. So we're, we're going to be uh, putting together several shorts like that to be able to uh, show you. And when we come back, they'll pull together some of that stuff and give you another uh, glimpse of uh, the, uh, the, the trip over there. So they're excited about doing that. We're excited for them and uh, appreciate their uh, efforts in going over to do that. And uh, they, uh, they're a blessing, real blessing to the people over there. All right, let's stand to our feet this morning and let's, let's take a look in the Word of God now. I don't have a whole lot of voice, so I'm going to try to say my words very, very carefully here for you today, and uh, we'll, we'll just trust that the Lord will help us here and to compensate for my lack of voice. I got some great graphics. I, I found some great graphics that illustrate some of this stuff. So a picture's worth a thousand words. Hopefully a picture will replace a thousand words, okay? And uh, number 14 is going to be really special, so uh, just thought I'd throw that in. So we're still on the subject of the harvest here. Uh, the time has come to reap. And let's go to John chapter 15, and we'll read a little portion uh, of the scripture there. John chapter 14. And 
Matter of fact, we'll put it up on the screen here for you as well. Sorry, John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There's that gathering out and gathering in principle again. Jesus is telling us about in the last day. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So there's, there's obviously great advantage of abiding in Christ. And herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. I just want to say as well, appreciate uh, Peter and Rachel uh, organizing our young people and had a great time on uh, Friday night here uh, with the uh, dinner that they had and really appreciate their help. Good to have Brother Wellington back. God bless you, Brother Wellington. Good to have you here back from, from Zimbabwe. <clears throat> now, all right, so let's, let's uh, focus now this morning. And I, I was on my, uh, in my discussions with Brother Elias over in Tanzania. Uh, I was asking him, because he wanted me to take five, five or six services over there. And I was asking him, I said, have you been on a, a theme? Have you been uh, working on something? Or is there some particular request or something that you would like to uh, have ministered? And I often will ask people that. Of course, you know, we, we want to be led by the Spirit in ministering to people, but uh, in churches and so forth. But I was, ask, I was just asking him, I said, just uh, on, your, on your heart, what, what kind of a theme would you have for the meetings that were coming? And he wrote me uh, a, a little title. He said, Christian Life in the End Time. Christian life in the end time. And uh, I was pondering on that and praying on that and, and uh, you know, just seeing how the Lord would uh, open that up to me and see if that was, you know, the, the way that the Holy Spirit would have me to go in those particular meetings. And then I found that it blended in pretty nicely with uh, the little series that we're doing here about the harvest principle. And we, we all believe, I think, uh, pretty clearly that we're living in the harvest time, don't we? I, I think that's pretty clear. And so, uh, I, as I began to, to look at this and look at this subject here about the Christian life in the end time, uh, it, there, there's a, a fact here that I, I want to underscore, and that is that uh, there's no different Christian life that's lived just because we're living in the end time. What happens in the end time is a product of something that's been sown way back here. So, God didn't invent something new for the end time. He rather brought to maturity the thing that he sowed in the beginning. And, and that's what makes this really interesting. So in order to really understand how we should be and what we should be in the end time, we need to go back to the beginning and look at what God did back there uh, because he planted that. He planted that early church in, in the earth. And uh, that, that grew up through the ages here. So what we're seeing at the end time harvest is exactly what God uh, planted in the very beginning. Well, what was it like back there? And what did God actually plan? What's he looking for here that would match what happened back there in the beginning? And so I began to think about that. And I want to 
uh, just see if we can develop that this morning here. We'll, we'll do a little bit of it uh, graphically for you uh, this morning here. So <clears throat> in, initially, Brother Branham uh, said, and I want to initially bring this here, 1961, uh, Brother Bram's talking about John the Revelator, and he says, now come up hither was the voice. And when he opened up, uh, when he opened, he heard uh, the trumpet sound, and immediately John was in the spirit. And as quick as he got in the spirit, he began to see things. As quick as John got in the spirit, he began to see things. And you begin to see things when you get in the spirit. But first you've got to get in the spirit. How many would agree? If you're not in the spirit, you're going to try to remember things intellectually. You're going to try to retain things intellectually. And you're going to try to remember. And my goodness, if we're, if we're depending on memory, uh, I of all men would be in, certainly in trouble. But I will tell you this, that it doesn't depend on intellect and it doesn't depend on memory. It doesn't depend on uh, your level of intelligence at all. But rather, getting in the Spirit is when the Holy Spirit can draw near and quicken things to you. And when it's revealed and quickened to you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be there forever. How many would agree? It's going to be there forever. And then the Holy Spirit always brings, he's faithful to bring things back to us and back to our remembrance. But it's important for you to get in the Spirit. I will say this, I think it's a really challenging thing to get in and stay in the spirit in days like this. Because we are bombarded with uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, information. We're bombarded with all kinds of distractions. There are all kinds of voices that are calling to you. Uh, it's a lot like they say, I, I, was, I was reading a little article about this, and it was, somebody was comparing uh, our social media and the way, our, uh, the way we operate in that realm today, like fracking, fracking oil. And uh, I thought this was really interesting that they take lots of high pressure uh, uh, steam and, and water and they force it down into the earth. And as a result, they squeeze out a certain amount of, of oil and gas that comes as a result of that. But it's going to stay there in the rock. It's going to be trapped in the rock until they force all this stuff down. And this guy was drawing the analogy that there's so many things that come to us today. We're bombarded by stuff. It's like, uh, you know, the high pressure uh, steam that they put down in the ground. And, and there's all kinds of things that come to us. And out of it, they want us to buy something or click on this and click on that. And uh, there's something saying, no, don't click on that. Click on this, click on this, click on this. And, uh, you know, if you, if you go to a, a website or you click on something on your phone, you know what it's like for the next two months. It's like, hey, did you see something you liked? You were here. We, we, we saw you. And uh, you're, you're constantly, even, even if you just kind of take a side glance, it doesn't matter. They're back at you again. They're fracking. They're putting all kinds of pressure on you to uh, click on their thing. And that's the day that we live in. So what I'm saying is that it's hard to get in and stay in the spirit because there's all kinds of things that are out there distracting us like never before. It, it's, it's really frustrating. And uh, I think, therefore, it's great that we have uh, consistent times when we get together in church and we have, uh, you know, worship like we do and, and ministry like we do. I think that's really, really important because if, if we don't, uh, the world will, will bombard us with things to displace and, and put something else in place there uh, that, that, that would, uh, in a sense, it would uh, pressure us away from our time with God. And God doesn't want that. The Holy Spirit doesn't want that. And so, therefore, we have to, we have to be proactive. We have to be aggressive in our way of 
taking that time with God, making sure that nothing interferes with our, uh, you know, our attendance at church as best we can. Uh, and, and like uh, John, like Brother Bram said about John here, as soon as he began to get in the spirit, and you're 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 shutting your mind down to things in the world and letting things go, and you're beginning to entertain the, the, the thoughts of the Holy Spirit, and you're in that atmosphere with the music. I got up this morning really early, and uh, I just I just turned on a, a little uh, music track in the background, and it was just just uh, hymns that are just playing, just instrumental hymns there. And it just starts the day just setting things off in a certain mode there. Now, I'll tell you what, it really helps. It really helps because if you don't, you got all kinds of other things that are, you know, waiting to be clicked on there. But I just, I just kind of let that set that atmosphere and my is just really nice. And then you, uh, you know, I was getting into study and, and uh, looking at things here. It's really essential that we do that because no one's going to make time for you to do that in this world. No one's going to uh, come along and offer you the time to do that. There's, there's always lots of other things on the agenda. I think you're getting the point. So John says we begin to see things when we get in the spirit, but you've got to get in the spirit. And we live in very distracting times. Now, <clears throat> Brother Bram says also an end time seed sign. He said just before the coming of the bridegroom, there would be a wise virgin with oil in her lamp. We, we went through that last couple of services and it'd be unwise. And the unwise virgin would wake up one day and find out she didn't have any oil in her lamp. When it came to the place where the announcement came, behold, the bridegroom cometh. So this all happens in the end, right? It doesn't happen in the ages prior to the last day, but it does happen in the end. And he said, that's what the shout is now. Christ is coming. It's a message that, behold, a bridegroom cometh. And she woke up and found out she didn't have any oil. And oil means spirit. Spirit is what brings the word to life. So therefore, you're, you're unable to see what you really need to see in the last day if there's no spirit there. So we need to be sure that we're in the spirit. How many would agree? All right, one of the other things that I wanted to draw from in our uh, past couple of services is I mentioned how that when wheat is gathered in in the harvest time, it's winnowed. And winnowing is this manual process. It's not done like this now here, but in third world countries, it's uh, still done like this in certain, certain places where they will take the wheat and they will thrash it. They will, they will smack it. And uh, they'll sometimes bang it on the ground, or they'll take a stick and they'll bang it. Uh, they'll even have oxen that'll tread over it, and, and they're actually just uh, beating up that wheat. And then the women will take it like this, and they'll take it in a basket, and they'll just throw it up in the air. And when they do, the chaff, the stuff that's not needed, will be blown away, and the seed, the kernel, will come back down again. That's called winnowing, Okay. And there are a lot there. I found a couple of illustrations here that uh, demonstrate this principle. So this is what it's meant to look like here uh, at the end of the winnowing process. You got a pile of wheat, and then you got all this other all this other uh, garbage and stuff that's uh, uh, you know blown away. Now, Brother Branham says in 1955, he said, "Now he's talking about Ruth and Boaz because uh, remember now the law in the Old Testament was that when you." Uh, harvested your field, you were not allowed to uh, cut your corners. You had to leave your corners as they were. And that was so that the poorer people could come along and glean in that field and pull things out for themselves uh, because they didn't have their own field to, uh, to harvest. And so this is what uh, Ruth uh, was doing. And Boaz saw her and obviously he loved her. And, and, and he says to his workers there, he says, every once in a while, let her glean whatever she wants and drop a handful on purpose. I oh, said, I like those little handfuls, a little good old-fashioned revival now and then. And she had picked up handfuls and thrashed them out and went down when he was winnowing wheat that night at the barn. 
So this is how they did it back in the days of Boaz. And Boaz, when Boaz laid down, Ruth was not ashamed to dispose herself to this man. And, and as the real true born-again church is not ashamed to dispose herself to the Holy Ghost call of God. You get the connection? Right? We, sh- we as the, the bride of Christ, we're not, we're not reluctant or we're not ashamed to say, Lord, whatever you would have me to do, let me lay at your feet and whatever you would have me to do, wherever you'd have me to go, however I can answer that call of God. We talked about, uh, you know, being uh, laborers in the vineyard last Sunday there. And he, he says that Ruth was not ashamed to present herself there to Boaz and just be available to him uh, like we would be as a church to the Holy Spirit. And he says well, he, uh, he went down uh, into this barn, uh, Ru- sorry, Ruth went down into this barn with this man and showing him trust. And she had every confidence that this man was going to be her kinsman redeemer. So this is the, this is the, the picture that's given to us in Scripture and Brother Brandon refers to this winnowing process that goes on. So the harvest time is a season that's spread out, isn't it? It isn't just one day. We're not going to run the combines one day and it's over. But especially in the Old Testament or the Bible times, it was a process, a season where the harvest began and it came to a, a grow, the end of the growing cycle. And then there were several different steps that went on until they actually took that grain and used it for their consumption. Okay, so that's, that's the idea. Now, when we look at this whole idea of harvest now, uh, <clears throat> Brother Bram says again in 1960 in Watchman What of the Night, watch this statement. He said, now, America's harvest. He said, look at America's harvest. He said, when I started years ago on the harvest with the gifts, he said, it's combed the nation, this ministry that I have. But he also referred to Oral Roberts and Billy Graham and Billy Sunday and all these other different ministers. He said, they've gone through the, uh, the nation, combed back and forth. He said the harvest is already reaped in. And now we're going back across the field over stubble, picking up a grain here, there, wherever we can. Aren't you glad you're stubble this morning? Hey, doesn't matter, doesn't matter who picks me up. You know what? I'm glad I'm grain. I'm glad I'm grain. Now, I need you to put yourself in this field here, okay? And Brother Bram says now, he says, we're picking up grain here and there wherever we can. He said, oh, if they could rejoice when the harvest began. He said, what ought we do now when the harvest is over? Like when this thing is, whole, is ending, how, how excited should we be? And that's, that's my point. I wanted to uh, encourage you to, to realize what, at what point we are in this whole harvest profit, process. And I believe we're living at the end of this process. Winnowing time is here now. Separating the chaff. He said, this is the end time. Then how can you hold your peace? If this, if this is the end times, this is, is, is truly the separation where the elect are being separated out and everything else is over in a different pile. My goodness, that's an exciting time. He said, then how can you hold your peace? This is winnowing time. Yes, when you beat the husk off the wheat, this is a time when it's coming. He said, hey, we're right in that season now when all of this separation is going on. Now remember, this is not really, if you were a grain of wheat, it's not really a pleasant process because you go through uh, you know, a fair bit of activity here in order to get in the right pile. But the husbandman is looking for something very specific. How many would agree? That's the idea, right? The husbandman is looking for something really specific. And what he's actually looking for is exactly what he sowed in the beginning. 
So he sowed something, and he's looking for that in the end time. He's looking for, uh, when the harvest time comes, he's looking exactly for that and nothing else. So he winnows, and he separates, and he thrashes, and he gleans all this, uh, all, through all of this uh, thing that's pulled in out of the field. And there are all kinds of things in the field, but he's only looking for one thing. He's only looking for the original grain that he put in the ground in the first place. That's what he's looking for. All right, so Brother Bram says we're here, and I think that's really clear. And he was uh, a watchman. He was obviously one who uh, sounded out to all of us uh, exactly where we are in this timeline of things and how God has, uh, you know, moved into this harvest cycle. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the vine, my father is the husbandman. So, hey, it's, it's game on. This is, this, is how, this is how it's happening. This is where we are. All right, now, he talks again about this little church, and he says, now, all of her inheritance, all of Ruth's inheritance was taken away from her, uh, so they had to make a living. So remember now, Ruth went through difficult times, lost her husband, lost her father-in-law. Uh, there, was, there was great loss that experience, she experienced in her life. And, and essentially, she came into the promised land with nothing. And, and these are people who are pretty destitute. And Ruth, he said, young and beautiful, went into the fields of Boaz to glean. And he said, that's what peasants did. That's what the poor people did. And he says, I want you to notice the type of, of the church is. It's a poor church. Ruth, a type of the Gentile bride now, she went out behind the harvesters to pick up the few straws that had weed in it and shuck it off like that. So that's how they actually made their living, as I said. But Brother Branham is making sure that we understand that this church is not like a great denominational church that's growing uh, in, in his day. This is, this is the 1950s and 60s. Remember now what I've told you before, Oral Roberts and all those people coming on television and these organizations are getting bigger. They're realizing that exponentially we can reach all kinds of people. These revivals are not small revivals anymore. These are massive revivals that they're having. And these are not small amounts of money that they're pulling in. They're pulling in massive amounts of money. And they're getting all kinds of coverage and, uh, you know, attention in, in, the, in the world today. They're traveling around the world. And, and Brother Bram's saying that this bride, this one that's represented by Ruth, is not like that. She doesn't have a denominational or a system uh, to depend on. She's got to depend on this kinsman redeemer, right? Ruth has got to depend on Boaz. And Boaz's allowance for her to come into the field. Ruth has got to depend on the goodness of Boaz in order for her to, uh, to be sustained during this difficult time. So Ruth does not have a whole lot to look to except to Boaz. That's, that's where her eye is, is on Boaz and his field and what's available for me in that field. And Boaz, at the same time, is looking out for her and saying to the workers, hey, drop a handful on purpose now. Make sure that uh, when you're going through the field, make sure that it's right in the path of Ruth there. Make sure she gets what she has need of. And you can see how in this last day, hey, listen, we don't have great organizations and we don't have uh, great systems. We don't have, I mean, we don't even have retirement programs, right? We don't have a, a sensible way for a pastor to retire. We, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have assets. We don't have, uh, you know, an organization or headquarters or anything like that. You know what we, what we have? We have? We have enough light to be able to keep our eyes on our Boaz and to be able to watch him, whatever he does and wherever he goes and whatever he says, that's what we got our eye on. Because where our eye is not on the government and our eye is not on uh, the news cycle of the world and our eye is not on political leaders. and It's not on that at all. It's not on the system. It's not on what we've built. Our eye is not on personalities. 
Come on. Our eye is not on, uh, you know, the assets that we have as a group of people because we really don't have any. And, and God has structured it that way. I'd say that, uh, you know, in terms of comparison with the rest of the world, we are a poor people in comparison to the rest of the world. But you know what we do? We have our eyes on Boaz, and he's the one that we're watching because he's the key to our life. He's the key to our success. He's the key to our deliverance. Isn't that right? But you know, the beautiful thing is that Boaz has got his eye on us. Boaz has got his eye on us, and he's dropping handfuls every now and then. So we come to church on Sunday, and we go away with a handful, and we go away with a, uh, a little scarf full, and we go away with a little, uh, you know, a little basket of, of grain there. God, God has got things supplied for us, and it's not because we're smart, or it's not because we got to figure it out or anything else. It's because he drops a handful our way, and we should be incredibly thankful for that. Because without it, where would you be? Think about it. Without it, where would you be this morning? What would you be listening to this morning if you didn't have the reveal word of this hour? Where would we be this morning if we had to, you know, just put up with, uh, you know, a denominational, uh, you know, uh, denominational teaching or something else and, and uh, you know, saying something like everybody else is saying out there and uh, not, not getting what, what God really wants us to live on in this particular hour. Hey, I thank, I thank God for the handfuls. No matter how the handfuls come, no matter who God uses to bring the handful, I'm thankful for the handfuls God gives us. I'm thankful for those revivals that we have, and even the the personal revivals that we have in our soul. And I pray that God continues to drop more and more down on our assembly and and, and drop more in our midst here. Hey, listen, we go through troubles and trials like everybody else, and we have sicknesses and problems and all kinds of things like everybody else because we're we're human beings and we live in a a filthy world that's filled with all kinds of viruses and all kinds of things that uh, that are here. And it's obviously we're weaker, maybe wiser, but weaker for sure. And when things sweep through, they sweep through here. But I'm thankful that God's given us what he's given us in this hour. I'm thankful for the revelation that we have. Now, let me just carry on with this statement a little bit. Brother Bram says, now gleaning barefooted in the fields. He said, Boaz was the Lord of the harvest, representing Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he came out to look upon his fields, and he saw the gleaners there. And he saw the reapers. And when he cast his eyes towards Ruth, he said he fell in love with her, Christ and his church. So this is, the, this is the picture, this is the comparison that we have, and this is exactly where we find ourselves in the last day. So remember now, and we began this little series with this scripture that in James chapter 5, uh, be patient therefore, brethren. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in God's time, but he's going to allow it to come to the end of the cycle. And we're, we're going we're to come to this thing that we refer to as the coming of the Lord, the second coming and the home gathering of the bride of Christ. And we'll have a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and that will be the change of our body. But we'll come into this season here, and the the husbandman is looking for something very specific. He's looking for the precious fruit of the earth, and he has long patience for it. He knows it's going to be there. He knows what he's sown, and he knows what he's looking for. And so therefore, in this this admonition, in verse 8 here, it says, Be also patient, brethren, and establish your hearts. Because the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You're going to need to be established in that particular time. You're going to need to be rooted and grounded in the right things when it comes to that day. All right? Okay, so now let's take a look here. I want to look at a a little lesson here. And this is what Brother Bram tells us to do. He's in the Church Age book here. And Brother Bram says in page 234, he said, Now the record of this wheat plant, the record of this wheat plant, whose end is to reproduce the original seed, multiplied form, is the book of life. 
So the record of this wheat plant, the field, is the book of life. I repeat, the history or record of this wheat plant is the book of life, of which a part of the book of life is the record of eternal life. How many know what that is? That's the Lamb's book of life, right? So the Lamb's book of life is an outgrowth of the book of life. Everybody's in the book of life. But there's a Lamb's book of life. And that's what he refers to here as a record of eternal life. He said that's a section of the book of life. And he said this is convincingly seen by examining the wheat plant. So in order to understand what he said up here in the paragraph, you look at a wheat plant and examine it a little bit, and you'll understand this paragraph here. Let me, let me note the paragraph again. The record of this wheat plant, whose end is to reproduce the original seed, is the book of life. And I repeat, the history of the record of this wheat plant is the book of life, of which a part of the book of life is the record of eternal life. So when we talk about this, this, uh, uh, this harvest time, this harvest field, we're really looking at a description or a depiction of the Lamb's book of life. And he says, you will understand that better if you examine the wheat plant. Would it be all right if we examine a wheat plant this morning? Let's, let's just do it, all right? Let's just do it. And <clears throat> let's just see what I'm, what I'm talking about. And let's just see what Brother Bram's talking about. When I began to look at this and began to study the wheat plant here, I was amazed at how many hundreds and thousands of statements that he had made in relation to this. And you'll see a lot of it become very familiar here. Now, he said, <clears throat> in this process, a bare seed is sown. And soon a blade is seen. So the first thing that sticks up out of the ground. Now, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a grower. Uh, my, uh, my wife is a grower. She can, uh, she can take like Jack and the Beanstalk's mother. She can take uh, a handful of seeds and just throw them out the window. And all of a sudden, you've got a garden there. That's the way she, my wife is. She's got a real green thumb. But not me. So I'm, I'm just using Brother Bram's terminology here. And I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica and found some information here that I thought was really interesting. So just bear with me here. So he said, when you take a bare seed, he said, you throw it, you put it in the ground, and it's sown, and then the blade comes up. But that's not wheat yet. We don't have a wheat harvest yet. Okay? Then it grows into a stalk. It's not wheat yet, because it's a stalk. So if you tried to grind that, and you said, well, I got a wheat plant. No, you wouldn't have any grain at all. You wouldn't have any flour, because it's a stalk. This is not wheat yet. Life is there, but it's not the wheat. And at the end of the stalk is a little spike that sends out a tassel. Still a wheat plant, but not wheat yet. You potentially have it. And let me say this. this the, the stages of, of this whole growing of this plant are necessary. They're absolutely in the will of God. To have, uh, you know, the, the little blade and, and the, the stalk and the spike at the end. All of that is necessary because you're not going to get to the end product unless you have this in the growing process, right? So it's all necessary. It's all the will of God. It's all a part of it. But it plays its part in its day. Stay with me now. And he said, still a wheat plant, but no wheat yet. And then the plant is pollinized and we see the chaff grow. And this looks mighty like the wheat, but it's not yet seed. It looks mighty like the real thing, but it's not, it's not seed yet. And then forms the wheat in the field, or sorry, in the husk, and it's now back to what it was originally. Now the ripened wheat is harvest. So in other words, a bare seed is sown, and at the last of it here, it's now back to what it was originally. So the growing process, and you know this, 
The growing process takes it from its original seed, goes through that process, and now we have a plant that has multiple seeds on it, multiple originals on there, and it goes back to what it was originally. Now the ripened wheat is harvest. Now think about it in this way. Think about it spiritually for a minute, and think about this. That you as the bride of Christ, in order for you to be what you are in the last day, you had to be a part of something original in the beginning. And you're only coming back to what you really are. You're not coming into something different. You're coming back to what you really are. So let's put it this way. If you were in the mind of God, if you were an attribute of God and you have eternal life, God planted that in a body, planted it in the earth, and you come forth in the end of it. The body is not important. My physical body is not important. It's the life that's on the inside. That's what God's looking for. Because that's exactly what he planted in the beginning. Everybody with me? All right. Now, all right, let's do some science here. Now, this is the masterpiece of 1964. Stay with me here. He says, now the stalk doesn't look nothing like a seed. Neither does the tassel. The stalk doesn't look like a seed. And the first thing, there's a wheat farmer sitting here, and he's got Canadians who are actually sitting in there. And I don't know why, but uh, across the Canadian plains up there, it's some of the best growing soil for, uh, for wheat and hard wheat uh, for bread in the world. And it still is. And it's just amazing how they actually do it all up there. But he says, I got farmers that are sitting here. And he said, the first thing comes forth in a wheat seed. He said, you'd almost think it was a seed, but it's the husk. So when you get near the harvest, the first thing you see is this husk. And he refers to it as a shuck, a shell, different ways. And he said, it forms a little outside thing to hold the seed. But the husk is not the seed, no more than the stalk was. Even though it looks like it, it looks a whole lot like it, it's not the real thing. It's only a carrier of the life. The corn and wheat, John chapter 12, he said, after the tassel, after Wesley puts forth the husk, which is the foremost like the grain of anything else, the husk is, is more like the grain. So here it is. Over on the left here, this was a little drawing that I found. And the chaff is that outer husk of the grain. And it, it, it is attached to that stalk. But he said the grains are inside of that husk. The real grain is on the inside. Now when you look at that, you might think, oh, okay, there's, there's, the, uh, there's the wheat. But no, the wheat is inside those little shells or those little cases if you like and we refer to that as the husk all right so he says it's coming more this is brother Branham he said it's coming more like the grain all the time the one that went in the ground and when it comes forth the stalk it's got life in it but it sure isn't the grain so inside that husk there's something forming inside that husk there's something that's growing But the husk itself never becomes grain. It only remains a carrier, a shell, in which the grain can grow. But it never becomes anything other than husk. As a matter of fact, when the winnowing process takes place, that's when that husk falls off. Because the husk is not edible. Uh, it's, it's not bran, it's not, uh, not good for anything. The husk is just uh, shaken off. And then uh, when they do it mechanically, even they take that shuck off. And it's discarded and not, uh, not good for anything. But what they're looking for is what's happening inside of that. So Martin Luther had a stage and then John Wesley had a stage and then gave it off into that uh, husk 
uh, into that hus stage. But remember, God didn't shut it down there when we had Pentecost, true Pentecost, 1906, and uh, had the restoration of the gifts there. There was something that was forming on the inside of that, right? There was something forming on the inside of that movement there. And then God raised up a prophet, and then we found out there was real wheat, real stuff on the inside of that husk, right? Now remember, remember, you can't do away with the husk. It's necessary. You can't do away with real Pentecost. It was necessary. It was necessary as a carrier of the life in the same way that the stalk is necessary as a carrier of life. What's really special about all those parts of the plant is that the life at one point moved through it. And as the life moved through it and the believers in those ages accepted what was passing through, let me tell you, that identified them as the real thing. Even though they didn't look like the end time bride and they didn't act like the end time bride and they didn't even believe like the end time bride. A lot of them were Trinitarians and so forth. But the real life was passing through it and they caught the revelation of their day that made them a part of the bride tree. Do you understand? It was necessary. And you can't say, oh, we have nothing to do with Pentecost or Wesley or John Wesley. No, they were all a part of it. In other words, they had to come before you. They had to come so you could be here. They had to come so you could form. And all the time God's looking at that, he knows that there's something inside coming forth. And there's something I'm waiting for that's inside there. It's not there yet, but it's coming. It's inside. Because God's watching the life that's going through that plant, right? So he said, it comes forth. It's got life in it, but it isn't the grain yet. It comes forth. And he said, and it's just in the shape of the wheat, just exactly like the grain of wheat, but yet it is in the wheat. Just exactly the same shape. Pentecostals came out just like the wheat would. All right. On the left, you have a grain of rice. On the right, you have a grain of wheat. <clears throat> Thankful for the Encyclopedia Britannica. On the left, you have the same process. It's the same breakdown. You have um, the outside hull or the shuck, and then on the inside, you got the real thing. You got the, the, the kernel of rice. And so it's made up of three parts, the bran, the white rice, and the germ. And on the grain of wheat on the right side, you have the same thing. You have an outside uh, chaff. You see that? It's out. It's over here. Sorry for the small print. You have the chaff that surrounds this whole thing right here. And then you have three parts. You have the bran, and you have the endosperm, which is all of this white stuff right here. And that actually feeds that seed. And then you have the germ. That's where the real seed is, right there. Same with any kind of grain that you grow. That's exactly what it looks like. <clears throat> that's exactly how God structured it. Now remember what, he, what Brother Bram's saying to us over and over again is that this right here, this shuck, this white part on the outside, is not the grain. It's the carrier that held it. It's the carrier that moved it on into its next stage. And God is not growing husks. God is growing wheat. He's looking for the, he's looking for the precious fruit of the earth. That's what he's looking for. Because you can grind all the shuck you want. You'll never get bread. But you have to come down to the real wheat in order to get the, the real product that he's looking for. Okay? Stay with me now. Brother Bram says, now, each one comes out from the other. Each stage comes out from the other. Coming out from the other, but they're only a carrier. They go to a denomination. When they refuse, when they refuse the word, he says they go to a denomination. That's what Pentecost did. They went to a denomination. 
And what did Pentecost do when it came out uh, just like the grain? He said it went right back. Revelation 17, one of the daughters, a sister denomination, that's exactly right. That's what Jesus said. So once the life passes through, you've got to move with that light. You understand the Old Testament? You remember when they camped in the wilderness? I'm not going to be long. Stay with me. When they camped in the wilderness, they had to keep their eye on where that light was. And when that light moved, they moved with it. And if the scenario is in the opposite, if the light moved and they stayed, you know what? Now they were in darkness because they were without the light. And Brother Bram's saying the same thing, that once the life passed through, the bride would keep going with the light, but the denominational spirit would cause people to sit down, and now they're in darkness. So where we look at the denominational church, a Pentecostal denomination, is in darkness because they failed to move on with the light. Brother Branham stood there. God shone a great light, right? Manifested his presence in a great way. And you know what God was doing? God was saying, move up, move up. There's a greater light. Move up. There's something closer to the kingdom. Move up. There are gifts that are being manifested. There are uh, prophecies that are being fulfilled in Malachi 4. Let's move up. And the people said, no, we got our own, we got our own thoughts on this. And we got uh, tongues as the initial evidence. And we got, uh, we got this. We're going to stay right here. And you know what? God moved on, and those people are in darkness. Right? Now, here's where it gets neat. The wheat kernel here, when we look at it broken down, it's got percentages on here. This endosperm right here makes up 83% of that whole kernel. The bran is about 14% of the structure. And down here in that germ is only 3%. 3% of that germ makes up that kernel. It's only a little flick of life. I want you to look at what <clears throat> Brother Branham said about that. He said, when Jesus was here on earth, he said, did he claim to be a healer? No. He said, my father does the healing. He says, I can do nothing except the father shows me. He was possessed with the power of God without measure. And we have it in measure. He had it without measure. Just like going out into the ocean, watch now, and take a spoonful of water. He said, it's just a spoonful out of the ocean. And it'd be just a little gift. That'd be just a little gift upside of him. But remember, the same chemicals in that spoonful of water is in the whole ocean. The same thing, just smaller, way smaller. Glory to God. So in other words, you understand what I'm saying? That it doesn't matter how small, if it's only 3% that makes up that kernel, that's still eternal life. That's right there. And if that's a seed of God, it's got all the qualities of God in it. It's got eternal life, supernatural life on the inside because it's nothing less than the original seed that fell in the ground off Calvary's cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? So... Size here doesn't matter. It's the, it's the structure, it's the components of what's in this seed that the husbandman is looking for. And I'd like to say this, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what that shuck or that stalk or what's left in the field looks like. It doesn't matter because that's not what the husbandman's looking for. He's looking for the real life. How many can say amen? You know, I think about, I think about my father-in-law, and, and he's, in the, he's in the hospital. He's 97 years old. And uh, uh, you know, he's been a Christian for longer than I've been alive, been preaching longer than I've been alive. 
And, and now, you know, he's disoriented. Last night he was taking the leads off his, off his chest and wanted to get out. And, and he, he doesn't know why he's in the hospital. He doesn't know who brought him here. He asked the caregiver last night, where did he live? He said, can you arrange somebody to take me home? He said, I don't belong here. Somebody brought me here and put me in the bed. And you know what? He's in a, a confused state. And, and he's, not, he's not able to get up and walk around the room even. He's in that place. And his body is like an old shell. It's like an old stalk of, of corn that's withered and died in the field. It's still standing, but, it, but it's old and it's withered. And it's not going to be of much use. But I will tell you this, that God is not looking for his body. God's looking for the life that's on the inside that picked up that light when it shone in his day. And he heard that voice. That's what God's going to harvest out of Brother Fulcher. I think of Dan Daisley, and some of you folks here grew up under his ministry, and Dan's last days, you know, having cancer, and, uh, you know, the, the situation that he was in, and the sickness that he, that he dealt with, and it was just, you know, it's such a horrible thing to watch somebody go through with cancer, or my mother-in-law with Alzheimer's, and you look at their body, and you look at their, their thought processes, and you look at what this disease has done to them. I remember seeing my mother laying in the bed, you know, with pancreatic cancer, and uh, it just destroyed her, and uh, you know, just withered away and not, not at all like the person that she was. And, and you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't put a sentence together and, and, and a thought process at all and couldn't do that. And you look at them and, and if, you, if you think about in the natural, if you think about somebody and that's who they are, you're mistaken. That's not who they are. Who they are is this 3% that's on the inside. Who they are is that real eternal person that's on the inside that God put on the Lamb's book of life. And this field is recorded on that book of life that God wrote. And God saw everybody out in that field, and he's got their name on the Lamb's book of life. And you know what? He knows. He knows that no matter what happens to them, whether they get eaten by lions in the, in the dark ages, or whether they get burned at a stake, or whether they get uh, you know, killed in a war, or, or sunken in a ship, or whatever else, no matter which way they go and leave this life, no matter what the devil tries to do to take them, God's still got a record of that life that's on the inside, and that's what he's going to glean in the resurrection, and that's what he's going to pull out. Amen. Glory to God. Brother Bram said, if you've got a spoonful of seawater, he said, all the components of the ocean are right there. It's no different than what's in the entire ocean. We just have it way smaller. But you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that because that's eternal. And eternal is not measured. You're not more eternal because you got a lot or you have less eternal because you got a little. We have eternal life because God put his life inside of you. And even if it's just a fraction, let me tell you, it's still eternal and it cannot die. Glory to God. So that's what God's got. <clears throat> so uh, when, I, when I was looking at this, I, I came across this uh, comment here uh, in, the, in a farmer's uh, uh, document here about hybrid seeds. And they were talking about, they had pictures of uh, hybrid seed versus the real thing, the real plants. And they said, <clears throat> these hybrid seeds, they said they're scientifically made. And they said if one, like for instance, if you've got two strains of cabbage and one of them is susceptible to disease, he said they can take a, a cabbage that is much stronger but smaller and they can blend the two of them together and they come up with a hybrid and it resists diseases a whole lot and makes a whole lot more. It produces a whole lot more cabbage. And they said <clears throat> now it's disease resistant. There's all kinds, of, all kinds of productivity here. And they said on the surface, that sounds like a win-win. But hybrid seeds have a drawback, indeed by chance and by increasingly by design, many hybrid plants have no seed at all. 
So God's not looking at something that's scientifically made. God's not looking for something that's church made. He's not looking for something that I can produce. He's not looking for followers of me, disciples of me. Brother Brandon was not trying to create disciples of him. Brother Brandon was trying to find the original seed. He's ministering to the original seed. That's why saints of God, to put Brother Branham up as some sort of a, a monument or a leader of a movement or something else, it's really futile because that's not what he was trying to do at all. Brother Branham was just playing his part as a prophet to bring a word that brings out that weak quality uh, in the bride of Christ and causes them to separate from that shuck and stand alone in the field and mature and ripen. That's what God was after. Oh, I wish I had a voice this morning. I wish I had the ability to be able to shout it out. I, I tell you what, saints of God, there, there are, listen, there are all kinds of things being manufactured in our time. There's all kinds of things being manufactured around, around the community of the message of the hour. There's all kinds of people feel like, well, this has got to happen, and that's got to happen, and this has got to, this has got to occur. Hey, you don't need to produce a thing. God's already sown it, and he's sown it long before you and I got here. He's sown it long before you and I ever knew anything about Malachi 4 and Brother Branham. He's he's already sown that seed in the earth, and that's what he's looking for in the end. He's not looking for what I can produce. He's not looking for what I can come up with. He's not looking for what you can achieve in life. He's looking for his life in you in the last day. That's what he's looking for. Brother Branham said, now this grain must be a good grain. It must be free from fall failures and so forth. It must be thoroughbred grain. It cannot be hybrid grain because when it comes up, you plant it again and your wheat is done because a hybrid grain won't grow again. It can't grow again. You take the life out of it when you hybrid it. What a shame. What a shame to go through your your Christian life and, uh, you know, to have no real true life in you, to have no eternal life in you. What a shame to have lived your life and and sacrificed, even though, even though admittedly it's a better life than living in in the world, uh, you know, in in the, uh, in the trenches with the people of the world. Let me tell you something to, to not make it into heaven. What, what a shame to lose that goal. And brother Bram said, that's what happened to the churches. They've been hybrid to the world. In other words, the world's got all this technology, all the crowds, all the television, all the ability to, to do this. But in order to do this, we're going to have to compromise on the word. But you know what? We're going to get more and we're going to get bigger. But it doesn't have the life in it. And he said, that's the reason that each revival coming on, you can't have another revival behind it. I mean, you understand what he's saying, that if the Lutherans really stayed with the word, there'd still be a bride message revival going on in the Lutheran church. And you could come here or go to the Lutheran church, either one, and you could be fed bride food. But you can't feed on bride food in the Lutheran church today. You know why? Because as a hybrid thing, it died right there. And it could not produce another revival. So God moved on. Right? You go back to the Wesleyan church, you think it's, hey, listen, we got the heat turned up today. I don't know what happened. Normally, we have it cold enough to slaughter hogs here. But someone turned the heat up. At least I'm hot. I don't know about you. But anyway, <clears throat> you talk about, uh, you know, trying to stay awake in a, in a Methodist service. I'll tell you what, that's pretty hard. The days of miracles would be certainly not past there. But I, I will tell you something, that, that you, even though they have service and they read their Bible and they're going through the motions there, it's not going to feed your soul. You're going to come away strangely empty after that. 
Because you know what? There's no real true revival there. The revival moved on. The light moved on. The life moved on. And it served its purpose. Thank God for that. But you know what? It, it, it's moved on. And he said, every organization that ever organized dies on the spot and never raises again because it organizes the world into its systems. Uh, therefore, it never did. There's no history ever shows any church that they ever organized and raised again. She died. Why? Because you're hybrid. And you can't do that to the real seed. You can't do that to the real seed. Glory to God. You can't do that to the real seed. And I will tell you what, if you introduce a denominational spirit in among the bride of Christ, either you're going to get voted out or the bride will move on, one or the other. But don't kid yourself, those denominational spirits are desperately trying to hybrid the bride of Christ. They are today. And that's why this is not just up to me to guard the gate, even though I guard the gate here. And who ministers here and what happens here, I guard the gate very carefully because of you. I come here today because of you. We have what we have today because uh, I I care about the sheep, and I'm very concerned about who ministers to the flock and who says what and how this goes down. I'm very concerned because God's given me the the oversight of the flock of God. And And you are the people that Jesus died for on the cross, and I take that pretty seriously. I take that pretty seriously. But I will tell you what, if I relax my guard just a little bit, there are spirits that would love to come in here and be able to disrupt our unity, to be able to distract us, to be able to try to denominate our thinking, and to try, to try to bring false doctrine and false ministers in and cause compromises in different ways there. Don't kid yourself. It had happened, it had happened in the click of a finger. I can't click my fingers, but it, it had happened in the click of a finger very quickly. And those spirits exist. Those spirits are still out there. And those spirits are affecting different people here. Don't kid yourself that, it, that it's not around because Brother Brandon preached against it here. Those spirits don't die. They just move on into another vessel. Move on into another mass. They put on another mass. But they move on. They absolutely do move on. I say this, greater is he that's in us and he that's in this world. And the only way you're going to stay above it and the only way you're going to stay one step ahead of it is to stay in the spirit of God. To stay in the, in the, in the atmosphere of Christ. Brother Bram says, and why I'm a holy roller. He said, Genesis was a seed chapter where all the seeds were sown. And everything you find today in the world came out of Genesis. That's a great statement. That's a very true statement. So everything God did, he did by seed. Did it in the book of Genesis back there in the very beginning. Genesis means seed chapter beginning a a book of beginnings and he said it's just like sowing a crop no matter what it looks like listen no matter what it looks like when it's this high you'll see what it'll be when it comes to seed if i'm not sure what this plant actually is hang around when it comes to seed you'll know exactly what kind of plant it is if it's wheat corn whatever it might look like a weed but if it's a wheat down here in the bottom, at the last stage, it'll produce a wheat up here, just exactly what it is. Every seed brings forth of its kind. That's what God established in the book of Genesis. Every seed brings forth of its kind. And if every seed brings forth of its kind, let me tell you, when God sowed those names on the Lamb's Book of Life in the beginning, you're going to have the people on the Lamb's Book of Life who stand there in the end all gathered together through the ages and all of that entire book, the record of those who were on the Lamb's Book of Life, all gathered together in the Father's garner because that's what he's looking for from the very beginning.
Glory to God. I'm excited. I know I don't sound excited. I know I sound like I'm talking through a garbage can here, and forgive me for that, but I wish I had more voice here to, to get ex- really excited about it. Let me wrap it up. Brother Bram says, when them seed went into the ground, and I'm sorry here, I'm, I'm, do- I'm looping here, and I realize that because he says it over and over and over and over and over again. He says, he says the same principle over and over again. Look, folks, it doesn't depend on how gifted you are. It doesn't depend on how long you've been in the church. It doesn't depend on whether your father and mother were church members. It doesn't, mem- doesn't matter whether you speak in tongues because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know what? Speaking in tongues is a good thing. Interpretation is a good thing. But I got news for you. There are more gifts than just those two. There's a gift of praying for the sick. There's a gift of discernment, right? There's a gift of laying on of hands and all the other things here. You know, a lot of, it's a shame that we just kind of, uh, you know, isolate on, on what, what one of those gifts of speaking in tongues or interpreting uh, those things there. Let me tell you, I believe if the Holy Spirit put them in the church, they belong in the church. But I'm convinced of this also, that if they are gifts of the Spirit, let's let the Spirit use those gifts. Amen. Not me using those gifts and not you using those gifts. Let's let the Holy Spirit use the gift. So when Brother Branham came along, and in, in the days of, uh, you know, his ministry, and the people who had a gift of speaking in tongues and somebody had a gift of interpretation, you know what? <clears throat> Brother Branham said, all right, let's put this in order. Because if God does something, he doesn't do it out of order. He does it in order. So let's take these people, if you don't mind, let's just take these people and put them over here in a, in a room be, before the church begins. And if somebody has a, a message let them say it. Let somebody interpret it. Let it be judged by two or three witnesses. And they come on out and let's read it. And it should be something specific. And it shouldn't be done in a congregation where they're interrupting the pastor for preaching here because the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. So he says, let's just do that. And you know what that did? That took the glory off the gifted ones. But you know what? The gift was still operating just the same. What wisdom is this? But you know what? They accuse Brother Brandon right away. Say, ah, he's trying to squelch the gifts. He's trying to take the gifts out of, out of operation. No, he just gave them the right form for the operation. And you know what? To me, that's still in effect. That's still in effect. But it isn't just speaking in tongues and interpreting. I believe there are other gifts that are operating. And I'd say this. I believe that those gifts do operate here. Gifts of, uh, you know, ministry and, and, and ministering to the bride of Christ and all the other things that, that happen here. I'd say this, that Brother Johnny and Sister Doris here, that's a gift to the body. That's something that God gives to the body that at the end of the day, you know what, the body is blessed because we have that gift among us here. And I'm not telling them, all right, now you do this and then you do that and you do something else. I'm not doing that. You know what, the Holy Spirit is the administrator of those gifts. And he's the one that should be laying it on hearts and so forth. And, you know, there's some of you that are just extra gifted and and a blessing to our assembly that if you were not here, our body would be less because you're not here. And I mean that from all my heart. In the same way that God has given me a gift to bless the body with, God's given you a function and a role, uh, you know, to uh, Keith over here, going through what he's going through and having the difficulties that he has. And he knew that we were sick this week. And he's, on, he's, he's sending me texts saying, how can I provide a meal? How can I give you a, 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 you know, a, a gift card for a meal and so forth? And how can, I, how can I bless you? Let me tell you, that's not somebody telling Keith to do that. That's the compassion of the Holy Spirit that's moving on his heart to help somebody because we're all connected together. What do you realize? it or not, we're all connected together. 
And we should yield to the, to the uh, administration of the Holy Spirit using us to bless other people. It's not just about you coming here to church once or twice a week and then going home and we're not a part of one another. We are a part of one another because we're a body. And the body requires gifts to operate in order to function and to be blessed. How many understand what I'm saying here? Brother Branham didn't squelch the gifts. Brother Branham gave the gifts an opportunity to work uninterrupted. But it's not about the people who have the gifts. It's about, about the blessing that that gift is to the body. I thought, when, I, when I heard Brother Brandon did that, I was not raised in a Pentecostal uh, environment. And so I was never in a service where people were jumping up and speaking and interpreting, interrupting things. I've never been in a service where, where that's happened, just quite like that. And, and I, when I, but yet when I heard when Brother Branham did that and moved the gifts, you know, and, and put, set things in order in the church, I thought, wow, what wisdom is that? Because he didn't take anything away from the body. He made it better for the body but less public for the gifted ones. Huh. I probably should go on. Brother Branham said, when the seed went into the ground, however they got there, they were thorns to begin with. He's in anointed ones in the end time. And the herbs were herbs to begin with, and each herb producing itself over again showed it wasn't the original beginning. They're getting the same rain, same blessing, showing the same signs and wonders. They will deceive or deceive the elect if, if possible. He said, now a thorn cannot help being a thorn, neither can a wheat help being a wheat. It's what the creator of each one determined at the beginning. That's the elected. It's what the creator determined at the beginning. <clears throat> My goodness. When you think about this harvest time now, and you think about this Christian life in the end times. The Christian life in the end times should be an extension, listen, or a reflection of what it was like in the beginning. And in the beginning, in the, in the book of Acts, you know what we had? We had the Holy Spirit moving among the people in a very direct way. Philip, I want you to go here, a whole revival. There's only one man down there, but I want you to hold a revival. Philip says, hey, let's go. He never goes back to the revival that he was in. But he goes down and meets the Ethiopian eunuch there, baptizes him on the side of the road, and gets, you know, uh, he gets in his chariot and goes off to Ethiopia in there. Not, not a great big public show, but the Holy Spirit was present among them. Here's, here's uh, Peter, John, James going up to the temple, and there's a man here who's lame from his birth. And Peter says, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you and rise in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up under your feet and so forth. It's the Holy Spirit just using them. Peter's in prison and the angel visits him and, you know, gets him out of the prison. Paul's in the ship and the storm there is going to destroy everything. And the sailors know the, the storm's capable of destroying everybody. And Paul comes out and says, hey, hey, folks, relax. An angel came to me, spoke to me last night in the hall down there where I was. You think I was just goofing off down there? He says, but an angel spoke to me. And you know what? We're all going to make it. The ship's not. Nothing on the ship's going to make it. But we're all going to make it. We're all going to be good. It's all good. Got it. Got your back. You know what it was? It was the presence of the Holy Spirit just moving among the people. Very present, very real. My. In the last days, in the last days, I believe that what we're going to have, because we're down to original seed, in the last day in the harvest, it's going to be a reflection of what we have in the, in the original age. 
a reflection of what we have in the original age. Am I making sense? One of these days, people will get into tribulation. They'll say, I thought the bride was going. In other words, they miss the entire harvest time principle. They miss the entire harvest season. And they wake up in tribulation and say, I thought the bride was going. Church going into tribulation? Sure, church is going into tribulation, but not the bride. Why are we as the church here in tribulation? This can be nothing but a tribulation. Because it matches exactly what the Bible says tribulation would be like. Why is this supposed to be first? He said, then the word says she's already gone, and you didn't know it. They'll be going on having church just the same. Imagine, going, missed the kernel, missed the essence of what God did in the last day in sending a message and opening up those seals and the thunder sounding and all those mysteries come forth, causes the bride to be able to stand as, as the bride of Christ, not as a church anymore, not following a man, not interested in following some system or personality. We got our eyes on Boaz. We got our eyes, that's where our food comes from. That's where our substance comes from. We have nothing else that we rely on, but we're looking to him, just like Ruth. We're not looking at buildings. We're not looking at organizations. We're not looking at the voice of God over there. We're not looking at how many missionaries we can send or anything else. You know what we're interested in? We're interested in either throwing out handfuls of grain, distributing books, or we're interested in picking them up and reading what's in them. Let's have our musicians come. Let's stand to our feet. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's have... Jaron, come and help us here today. He's got more of a, he's got voice. The bride has only one focus, and that focus is on Boaz. And Ruth didn't wander off to other fields. She didn't wander off and want to be found in someone else's field under somebody else's administration here, she was quite content to stay just exactly with Boaz because she knew that's where her food was coming from. That's exactly where she knew her substance was. Let's sing that little chorus, Every Praise is to Our God. And Jaron, I'm going to depend on you here to uh, help us sing a little bit. Every Praise is to Our God. Let's sing it together. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Thankful for a handful that God throws out every time, you know, God's people come together. Because he's got his eye on Ruth, right? He's got his eye on her. Let's sing it this morning. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord. Every praise, every praise, though it's to our God. Hallelujah to our God. Glory, hallelujah to our God. Every praise, every praise, it goes to our God. Sing that again now. Every praise, every word of worship. Oh, every praise, every praise, it goes to our God. Sing hallelujah, church. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise, you know it's to our God, God my Savior, God my Savior, God my Healer, 
God my deliverer Yes he is Yes he is God my Savior God my healer God my deliverer Yes he is Yes he is Every praise Every word of worship Oh, every praise Every praise You know it's to our God Sing hallelujah Glory hallelujah Oh, every praise Every praise You know it's to our God God my Savior God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, He is, yes, He is, God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, He is. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just sing it again. Continue singing that. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship and one of cold. Every praise. Every praise. Every praise. It to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God, glory hallelujah to our God. Every praise, every praise, you know it's to our God. And God my Savior, God my healer, God my deliverer, yes He is. Yes, He is, God my Savior, God my healer, God my deliverer, yes, He is, yes, He is. Hallelujah. Glory. Let's sing that song, Days of Elijah, amen. B flat. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord These are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored These are the days of the harvest the voice in the desert crying prepare ye the way of the Lord behold he comes riding on the cloud shining like the sun at the trumpet's call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of Zion till salvation comes are the days 
of Ezekiel the dry bones becoming as lead these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise these are the days of the harvest oh the fields are all wide in the world and we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord behold he comes sing it yes shining like the sun at the trumpet's call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of Zion till salvation comes there's no God like Jehovah there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Oh, he comes, yes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. Salvation comes. No God like Jehovah. There's 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 no God like Jehovah. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet's call lift your voice it's a year of jubilee and out of zion till salvation come well lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of zion till salvation come I understand more and more why the devil hates us so much. And he's so frustrated in dealing with us. Because if you got 3%, you know what? you got enough to qualify as having eternal life. And he cannot destroy that. He cannot, like he cannot destroy God, he cannot destroy you. And I understand why he's so frustrated. And I understand why he tries to make our lives so miserable. But you know what? If you got 3%, you got 3%. And you ought to go home and say, God, I thank you for that 3%. And it ain't going to come to four, but it ain't going to go to two. And I'm thankful for that 3% because I got eternal life. And we should be secure in that realization that we have eternal life. And let me tell you, saints of God, you'll be there on the other side if you have eternal life. Because you cannot die. And it's a glorious thing. It's a wonderful thing. But you don't have to try to become something. You don't have to try to turn into something. You don't have to try to train for something. You've already got it. And you've already got it because somebody decided that long before you got here. You did not learn how to have eternal life. You did not apply for eternal life. You did not ask God for eternal life. You had eternal life. And that's why you responded to this message in the first place. So I understand why Satan's so upset. It's too bad, but he is pretty upset. Can't do a thing about it. 
We've been made more than conquerors. Let's have a, a word of prayer, and I'm going to let you go. We have our ladies who are going to be getting together this afternoon in a totally carbohydrate-free afternoon. And may God bless you. May God bless all your brothers and uh, babysitters this afternoon. And uh, we appreciate the folks that make these things available for us. And may God bless you. Pray for us, if you don't mind, over the next 24 hours and uh, concerning our mission work and travel there. And uh, we'll certainly keep you updated. Remember the folks that are not well. There's some folks, obviously, that need a touch from the Lord. And uh, we'd appreciate you praying for them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you, Lord, because you care for us. You thought of us, Lord, even before we stood here. You placed that little, little seed of life inside of us, Lord. And nothing can take it away. Nothing can change it. Lord, it's not only residing in us, but Lord, it's on the Lamb's book of life. It's an eternal record of the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, harvest time is when all of this comes out and all these revelations, Lord, are made known. And we're thankful, Lord, to be the recipient of all of these things, Lord, and to have the great light that we have in this last day. Bless your people now, we pray. Minister to those who are sick. Lord, bless the fellowship this afternoon. And Lord, have your hand upon our sisters and Lord, the sisters who are not here, we commit them into your care as well. Pray that you would give them strength, Lord. Sister Becky, Sister Jesse Cockman, and Lord, so many others. And we just hold them up before you in prayer and trust, Lord, that you will minister to their hearts today. We love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for our time together in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. Yes, we've been made victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. Like